Part thirteen of A Guide to the Lakes by Thomas West. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kendall. The approach to it from the north is pleasant. A noble river, the Kent, is discovered flowing briskly through fertile fields and visiting the town in its whole length. It is crossed by a bridge more venerable than handsome, where three great roads go inside from Sedba, Kirkby Stephen, and Penrith. The main street leading from the bridge slopes upwards to the centre of the town and contracts itself to an inconvenient passage where it joins another principal street which falls with a gentle declivity both ways is a mile in length and of a spacious breadth was an area for a market-place opened at the incident of these two streets it would give the town a noble appearance the entrance from the south is by another bridge which makes a short awkward turn into the suburbs after that the street opens well and the town has a cheerful appearance in this town is a workhouse for the poor which for neatness and economy exceeds most of the kind in the kingdom the inns are genteel and commodious plentifully served and the usage civil the objects most worthy of notice are the manufactures the chief of these are of the kendal cottons a coarse woollen cloth of the linses of knit worsted stockings and a considerable tannery the lesser manufactures are of waste silk which is received from london and after scouring combing and spinning is returned of wool cards in which branch considerable improvements have been made by the curious machines invented here and of fish hooks there are other articles of industry well worth seeing the mills for scouring fulling and frizing cloth for cutting and rasping dyeing wood etc but what is most to the credit of this place is that notwithstanding several considerable inconveniences which this town has ever laboured under the manufactures have all along continued to flourish and are particularly noticed so early as the reign of king richard the second and henry the fourth when special laws were enacted for the better regulation of the kendal cloths and have of late years been greatly increased by the spirit and industry of the inhabitants when william the conqueror gave the barony of kendal to ivo de tailbois the inhabitants of kendal were the villain tenants of the baronial lord but one of his successors emancipated them and confirmed their burgages to them by charter queen elizabeth in the eighteenth year of her reign erected it into a corporation by the name of aldermen and burgages and afterwards king james i incorporated it with a mayor twelve aldermen and twenty-four burgesses mr gray's description of this town is equally injurious to it and his memory but of the church and castle he is pointed near the end of the town stands a handsome house of colonel wilson's and adjoining to it the church a very large gothic fabric with a square tower it has no particular ornaments but double aisles and at the east end four chapels or choirs mr gray's account then proceeds to the inside of the church which he describes with his usual accuracy and ease speaking of the chapels one of pars another of strickland's the third is the proper choir of the church and the fourth of the bellingham's a family now extinct the bellinghams came into westmoreland before the reign of henry the seventh 
and were seated at Burnside. In the reign of King Henry the Eighth, Adam Bellingham purchased of the king the twentieth part of a knight's fee in Helsington, parcel of the possession of Henry, Duke of Richmond, and of Sir John Lumley, Lord Lumley, which his father, Thomas Bellingham, had farmed of the crown. He was succeeded by his son, James Bellingham, who erected the tomb in the Bellingham's chapel. There is an altar tomb of one of them, viz. Adam Bellingham, dated 1577, with the flat brass arms and quarterings, and in the window, their arms alone, argent, a hunting-horn sable, strung gules. In the Strickland's chapel are several modern monuments, and another old altar tomb, not belonging to the family. On the side of it, a fess stands set, between ten B.A. Dancourt. This tomb is probably of Ralph Dancourt, who, in the reign of King John, married Helen, daughter of Anselm de Furness, whose daughter and sole heir, Elizabeth Dancourt, was married to William, son and heir of Sir Robert de Sturkland, of Great Sturkland, knight, twenty-third of Henry the Third. The son and heir was Walter de Sturkland, who lived in the reign of Edward I, was possessed of the fortunes of Anselm de Furness and Dancourt in Westmoreland, and erected the above tomb to the memory of his grandfather Ralph Dancourt. The descendants of the said Walter de Sturkland have lived at Sizer in this neighbourhood ever since, and this chapel is the family burial place. In Parr's chapel is a third altar tomb in the corner, no figure or inscription, but on the side, cut in stone, an escutcheon of Ross of Kendal, three water budgets, quartering par, two bars in a bordure engrailed. Secondly, an escutcheon, ver, a fess for marmion. Thirdly, an escutcheon, three chevronels braced, and a chief, which I take for Fitzhugh. At the foot is an escutcheon surrounded with the garter, bearing ross and par quarterly, quartering the other two before mentioned. I have no books to look in, therefore cannot say whether this is Lord Parr of Kendal, Queen Catherine's father, or her brother the Marquis of Northampton. Perhaps it is a cenotaph for the latter who was buried at Warwick, 1571. The castle he describes thus. The remains of the castle are seated on a fine hill on the side of the river opposite to the town. Almost the whole enclosure wall remains, with four towers, two square and two round, but their upper part and embattlements are demolished. It is a rough stone and cement without any ornament or arms, round, enclosing a court of the like form, and surrounded by a moat. Nor ever could it have been larger than it is, for there are no traces of outworks. There is a good view of the town and river, with a fertile open valley through which it winds. Had Mr. Gray ascended from the end of Strammengate Bridge to the castle, which was the only way to it when in its glory, and is the easiest at present, he would have observed a square area that had been fortified with a deep moat, and connected to the castle by a drawbridge, where was probably the base court. The stones now are entirely removed, and the ground levelled, and laughing Ceres reassumes the land. The present structure was undoubtedly raised by the first barons of Kendal, and probably on the ruins of the Roman station, this being the most eligible site in the country for a summer encampment, and at a small distance from Watercrook, 
there are still some remains of a dark red freestone used in facings and in the doors and windows that has been brought from the environs of penrith more probably by the romans than either the saxon or norman lords fame says this castle held out against oliver cromwell and was battled from the castle law hill but this is not so probable as that its present ruinous state is owing to the jealousy of the usurper there is a most pleasant morning ride of five miles down the east side of the river watercrook is one mile distant on the right close by the side of the kent this is the concangium of the romans where a body of the vigilatores watchmen kept guard and was the intermediate station between the dictis at ambleside and the garrison at overborough the line of the fosse may be still traced though much defaced by the plough altars coins and inscribed stones have been found here and in the wall of the barn on the very area of the station is still legible the inscription preserved by mr horsley to the memory of two freed men with an imprecation against any one who should contaminate their sepulchre with a fine to the fiscal there is also an altar without an inscription and a silenus without a head at a small distance is a pyramidal knoll crowned with a single tree called saturi where something dedicated to the god saturn has stood pass through the village of natland on the crest of a green hill on the left called helm are the vestiges of a castellum called castle steads which corresponded by smoke in the day and flame in the night with the garrison at lancaster by the beacon on wharton crag during the residence of the watchman at watercrook there is a house at a distance to the north called watch house where roman coins have been found proceed through sigiswick and fall in with the course of the river at force bridge and from the crown of it have a very singular romantic view both ways of the river working its way in a narrow deep channel of rocks hanging over it in variety of forms streaming a thousand limpid rills into the flood the rocks in the bottom are strangely excavated into deep holes of various shapes that when the river is low remain full of water from its depth black as ink the bridge is one bold arch suspended by the opposite rocks its antiquity unknown a mantle of ivy veils its ancient front and gives it a most venerable appearance if you ride down the west side of the river from the bridge as far as the forge to see the waterfall of the whole river its stream is much more impaired in beauty since the forge was erected but if from the end of the uppermost house you will look up between two trees in the midst of the channel you will see the whole body of the river issuing from a sable cavern and tumbling over a rock of height just sufficient to convert into froth as white as snow and behind it the arch of the bridge is partly catched in a disposition that forms a very uncommon assemblage of picturesque beauties this is seen in highest perfection when the stream is full return to the bridge and ride down the east side of the river to levin's park if you are not provided with a key from kendall the keeper must be applied to here is one of the sweetest spots that fancy can imagine the woods the rocks the river the grounds are rivals in beauty of style and variety of contrast the bends of the river the bulging of rocks over it 
under which in some places it retires in haste and again breaks out in a calm and spreading stream are matchless beauties the grounds in places are bold and hang to the river or fall into gentle slopes and decline into easy plains all is variety with pleasing transition thickets cover the brows ancient thorns and more ancient oaks are scattered over the plain and clumps and solitary beech trees of enormous size equal if not surpass anything the chiltern hills can boast the park is well stocked with fallow deer the side of the kent is famous for petrifying springs that encrust vegetable bodies as moss leaves of trees etc there is one in the park called the dropping well at a small distance is hincaster where the romans had a camp and from the name the britons have called it the old camp within the park is kirk's head mentioned by camden as a place frequented by the romans yet nothing of late belonging to that people has been discovered at either place levin's house was the seat of a family of that name for many ages then of redman for many descents afterwards it came to bellingham and adam or his son james bellingham gave it the present form in the reign of queen elizabeth and in taste of carvings in wood attempted to outdo his contemporary walter sturkland of sizer esq after bellingham it came to colonel graham and from his daughter by marriage to the ancestor of the present noble possessor returned by levensbridge to kendal five miles have a new view of the valley and the east side of kent at the park gate have a charming view of sizer showing itself to the morning sun and appearing to advantage from an elevated site under a bold and wooded background the tower was built in the reign of henry the third or edward the first by sir william sturkland who had married elizabeth the general heir of ralph dancourt this is evident from an escutcheon cut in stone on the west side of the tower and hung cornerwise dancourt quartering sturkland three escallop shells the crest on a close helmet a full-topped holly-bush the same are the arms of the family at this time and this has been their chief residence ever since before you leave kendal visit the castle law hill this is an artificial mount that overlooks the town and faces the castle and surpasses it in antiquity being one of those hills called laws where in ancient times distributive justice was administered from its present appearance it seems to have been converted to different purposes but though well situated as a watch upon the castle could never be a proper place to batter it from as the report goes to lancaster by burton twenty two miles observe before you reach burton falton knot a naked towering rocky mountain laid to resemble much in form the rock of gibraltar between burton and lancaster see donald mill hole a subterraneous cavern a river running through it with many curious petrifactions in style like those in derbyshire and of the same kind lancaster finished chartique vique end of part thirteen